Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hello again. I am Chris Lee of Southeastern 14, joined by Alfred Esmond, who's going to be assisting us with their baseball coverage this year. Today, we are doing power rankings after the first weekend of SEC baseball. This is going to be a little different. We're going to try to have recaps on Monday morning, but with a lot of stuff going on, uh, overlap of football and basketball, we just decided we'll do recaps and we'll also do power rankings. And what we're going to do is we're going to work through the power rankings backwards from the bottom up, kind of discuss a little bit about what went on with each team's weekend, that sort of thing. We'll split these pretty evenly. We both got eyes on some baseball, but certainly not all of it. When you got 14 teams playing at once in different places uh, with basketball going on, that makes for a lot. But we have some prior knowledge of the rosters and some expectations. And these power rankings also, we're, we're not going to move completely off uh, what we thought preseason and just base it on results. Uh, for instance, Florida, the only winless team, we're not putting the Gators at the bottom. So this is going to be a blend of maybe what we thought going in and what we saw the first weekend, which is always good because you can't you can't see the teams play till they play. So that's how it's going to go. Before we get into the power rankings, reminder this is brought to you by Ben Online, which continues to be your number one source for all your basketball wagering needs, including pro and college hoops throughout the year. With up-to-the-minute odds, stats, trends, you can follow your favorite team's path to the playoffs with in-game live betting, contests, and all the best player props. Experience the world's best wagering platform anytime from your desktop or mobile devices. Head to Battle Online today to become part of the team. Remember to use promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online. the game starts here. Alfred, exciting times. Baseball's here. We'll start at the bottom of the rankings. I've got this team. It's the Missouri Tigers. Uh, Carrick Jackson's debut as Missouri coach. And they went to Cal Poly, which is, I think, a Big West team, middle of the pack. Usually pretty decent program, not, not a perennial NCAA tournament team year in and year out. They play typical West Coast style. I think that the biggest takeaway for me was Missouri's pitching seemed to be improved. Uh, this is not a shut you down with with a bunch of strikeout staff, but Missouri walked seven guys, hit four, turned in a 312 ERA for the weekend. That was good enough to win a three-game series by a combined score of 17 to 12. I guess uh, the, the standouts – and by the way, I think they're playing a Monday game too in this one, aren't they? Uh, yeah. That one got canceled, actually. I just looked. Oh, okay. Thank so, you. Yeah, so they were no, going to play Monday no, game. Right. No Missouri yeah. Cal Poly today. Okay, but anyway, Missouri wins that series two to one. I think that's uh, that's a step in the right direction. Danny Corona, their their shortstop from Wake Forest, didn't give them a whole lot this weekend. But uh, anyway, uh, probably Thomas Curry, Jackson Lovich, the hitting stars, and, and Missouri gets its season off started right. Next up, Ole Miss at thirteen. Uh, you you had the Rebels. Um, you would have had to stay up late night and listen to the radio to follow this one 
in real time. But I mean, this was a frankly a disappointing start for Ole Miss. Yeah, I mean, you know, again, credit give credit to them. That's a hard place to go out and kind of play for your first games, no matter who you are in college baseball. I mean, you're traveling all the way to Hawaii. That's got to mess with your, you know, you, we said it uh, back on Friday after the opening games, or I guess Saturday morning after the opening games. Uh, it definitely messes with your body clock a little bit. But this whole missed team, man, I mean, they they came off year last year where they were very disappointing looking, uh, especially in conference play as that like came along and whatnot. I'm sure, you know, the people in Oxford are looking for better days, you know, out of their baseball team, especially a team that just recently won a national title. So, of course, you know, with college baseball, you know, you take the opening series of a season very lightly. I mean, to be be honest, but, you know, we definitely, you know, we should be looking for better things from Ole Miss at this point. Yeah, I think the disappointing thing was the pitching. They gave up, what was it? 28 runs in, in four games to Hawaii that mm-hmm. JT Quinn, Grace and Saunier were not good in their starts through a lot of guys. I guess the, the bright spot, Josh Mallett's her closer from a couple of years ago is back. He went two scoreless struck out three hitting um, three home runs while they were out there. Ethan Croft had a nice, well, an okay weekend. Slugged the ball a little bit, hit a home run. Bo Gatlin had a big weekend for them with an on-PS of over 2,000. Ethan Leger, the two-lane transfer that, that gave them some good play a year ago, had a big weekend. But I think if you're you're Ole Miss, you, you wanted better pitching and you, you didn't get it. So we'll see how that looks like when they get back to the mainland. All right, staying in state, number 12, Mississippi State, which won a series with Air Force by a two-to-one margin. By the way, Ole Miss was two-and-two in its, its series over the weekend. So it wasn't a, a complete failure, but you you wanted to see better pitching. What did we take away from Mississippi State's series win over Air Force? Yeah, well, I watched uh, – I actually sat and watched a good amount of their game uh, Saturday. That was a 3-2 to two loss to Air Force, the middle game of this series. Uh, Cal Steven had a good night pitching. Uh, 11 strikeouts and that seven inning game and seven innings of work for him. Uh, I got a shout out uh, Doyle Gehring. I think that's how you say the air force closers name. He had a great, he did a great job uh, shutting down, you know, Mississippi state's batting when air, air force was holding on to that slight lead that they had uh, three strikeouts, three hits, you know, Mississippi state did p- apply some pressure there late, but air force was able to hold on. Um, Again, just a back and forth game where Mississippi State really just couldn't find much rhythm offensively. Uh, that was, you know, and the reason I feel like we're just I'm waiting on them a little more as the season goes on as I go forward is the next day, 10 to 2 win over Air Force on Sunday. And that was, you know, a 12 hit day for the Bulldogs. And they just kind of got off and running in a hurry. Dakota Jordan, once again, with a great game on Sunday, two for four with two RBIs. Uh, Heinz Hunter, great game, three for five with an RBI. Uh, Connor Husack, just a big series in general to open the year. Uh, he had two RBIs on Sunday as well. So that Mississippi State offense just went right back to clicking on Sunday. So I'm I'm going to take the middle game against Air Force. It's kind of a fluke almost with this team. They they looked pretty good the other two games that they played against them. So you know a little bit of an off game right there to start, but a decent start overall for Mississippi State. 
Yeah, to Coach Jordan, who's probably their top offensive player, Hunter Hines might be in that conversation too. Same with Lamonte Larry. Had, had a nice series, a couple of home runs. He's thought of as maybe a first-rounder. And, and I think the pitching, uh, they struck out 38, walked nine over 27 innings. And it's kind of a lot like what State did three years ago when it won the College World Series. A lot of guys. Um, you mentioned Cal Steffen. The, I think he's the transfer from Purdue. Gives him seven of, of one-run balls, struck out 11, as you said. Uh, Gerangelo St. Joe is a switch pitcher. If you hadn't seen that, you need to watch that one. Uh, yeah, I guess you I've, didn't get to catch him. Uh, yeah. But I've heard, and he had he had a pretty good Sunday, too. It was eight strikeouts, four innings, right? Yeah, that that's correct. So the, the starter, yeah. Nate Dom's probably their best starter. He was pretty good. Um, I don't know if those guys are seven, eight, nine inning guys. Not that there's many of those anymore. But I guess if you're state, that's a – that's a step in the right direction after mm-hmm. after last year. So we'll see where it goes. Next up, I've got Georgia. And this is the – I mean, I guess you could probably include State in that tier where there's not a lot of clarity. I, th- I think when you go back-to-back nine-win seasons in the SEC, that probably colors your perspective on a team going in. Maybe need to prove a little bit more. But th- this is the tier where, hey, g- good, good luck to you if you can figure it out. I've got Georgia at 11. I think you could easily argue Georgia – a couple of spots higher. Uh, Georgia swept UNC Asheville this weekend, which I think is is a favorite in its conference. I could be wrong about that. I'd have to. I didn't do a lot of diligence on Asheville, but in any case, Georgia. I think the big thing scores thirty eight runs and only gives up seven in a three game sweep. That's pretty loud. They've got LSU's old pitching coach Wes Johnson now as their head coach. Pitching has been a huge problem in Georgia. For years, but they had what about 11, 12 guys throw, most of whom threw pretty well. Leighton Finley gave them four shutout. Uh, Chandler Marsh gave them, I guess, just one shutout. And I thought he might start, but he didn't. Um, Charlie Goldstein and Christian Maranca gave them nice starts. And hitting wise, I just I kept getting exit velo stuff on these guys from the weekend. Charlie Condon hit one, I think, 118 off the bat. I think he played. I was listening to D1 Baseball this morning. I think they said he played three different spots. Slate Alford, Mississippi State transfer, hit three home runs this weekend, two of them in one game. Yeah, Georgia hit 10 home runs over the weekend and struck out 34 guys and walked 10. I I don't know what Asheville is again. I don't want to read too much into it, but this is the team that reloaded in the portal, got a lot of dudes, has a pitching coach who did really good stuff last year in Baton Rouge. I'll be really interested to see where this one goes. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Slate Alford is probably, for me, was one of the players I was impressed with the most over the weekend from what I've been hearing about from guys. Uh, right now, what I'm seeing is six for 14 for hits and plate appearances. And again, uh, racked up RBIs this weekend. He had nine over the course of those three games. So that 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 portal pickup, it seems to be working out nicely for the Bulldogs down in Athens. And uh you know, they, they had a they had a good weekend. Granted, it's UNC Asheville, take it however you'd like, but they they definitely have, you know, piqued my interest, so to speak, going forward here in the early season. Number ten, I've got Kentucky. You you kept tabs on the Wildcats this weekend. That was you've got Kentucky doing the same thing that it did a year ago, which is rebuilding in the portal on base guys, a lot of arms, scheduling in a smart manner to try to boost that RPI to, to be able to get in the NCAA tournament. So, of course, Kentucky goes to USC Upstate, plays the first weekend, sweeps that one. 
What do we learn about the Cats this weekend? Yeah, so the I, you know, that was the team I paid attention to a good bit, like you said, Chris. And uh, you know, the middle game was a three nothing victory, kind of a you know, kind of a weird game, really. Kentucky won off of Upstate's errors. Upstate had four errors that game, so Kentucky clearly took advantage of that and uh, you know, just went on to win that game with three runs. But uh Dominic Neiman had a great game with five innings pitch, six strikeouts. You know, he was able to keep upstate players off the base paths a good bit. And then Jake McCoy, that game, uh, two for three with an RBI. He had the one uh, base hit score that the Wildcats had, not off of an error. So he had a great game. And then uh, really Saturday, or excuse me, I'm sorry, Sunday, the next game, 9-3 win for Kentucky. Eight different Kentucky batters had an RBI that game. So that was a very good look for that Wildcat team, getting the bats hot at a good time. And Ty Crittenberger had a great game. That He's their center fielder, three for four, two RBIs there. Uh, Mason Moore got the start in the win, and he pitched five innings of scoreless baseball. Uh, that was, I think, without a doubt, that 9-3 to three win on Sunday, the most impressive look we got at the Cats so far. And, again, take this series with a grain of salt all you want. It's USC Upstate. It's the first series of the year. But, you know, Kentucky got hitting out of a lot of pe- a lot of guys. They got some good pitching this weekend. Maybe it's something we look at with them, you know, going forward for a little bit. Yeah, Kentucky also stole, what, 14 bases and 14 tries, I think. Let me see if mm-hmm. that's right. They were they were stealing a lot. I remember the the first yeah. game of the series. They they were moving guys all around, all over the place yeah. on the bases. So yeah, I, I think they'll be some offense. There'll be a lot of that. I mean, and this is an era where you see teams their, their leader in steals might be three or four. Sometimes it's just not a part of what teams do. And because of that, I, I think maybe it gets a little less attention defensively, probably, um, which means Kentucky uh, might might be able to succeed like it did last year doing some things that other teams aren't used to defending as much number nine i've got the auburn tigers and let's see did you have auburn no i had auburn um, i did actually I did, didn't get, oh you did okay well let me uh, let me let you get in your thoughts and then i will okay. i will give you mine yeah auburn uh very impressed with them offensively all weekend uh i'm sure i'll get into pitching too with them but they were they racked up runs in a hurry. Chris Stanfield, uh, really Friday and Saturday had two great games, uh, two hit game on Saturday for him. Bobby Pierce also had a two hit game with a home run on Saturday. Uh, Cooper McMurray for Auburn had a two run homer as well. That was on route to a six to one win over EKU. And uh, the back half of that Auburn bullpen, I'll say Saturday was something I took note of and went, wow, they. You know, they put in some work. It was uh, John Armstrong and Will Cannon, no hits and 2.2 combined innings of work. Uh, that was just big in the sense of really separating se- themselves from Eastern Kentucky that game and getting the win there. And then on Sunday, same thing, 9-1 to one win for Auburn over Eastern Kentucky. Uh, Irish Ike, hello again. We saw him the first game of that series, two RBIs on a triple, and then he had a bases-loaded walk opportunity that scored a run for him. Christian Hall, their designated hitter, two-run homer. And that helped with the early scoring as well. And Eastern Kentucky, that game, didn't get a run in until it was 8 to nothing with Auburn with the lead. And really, with how Auburn's bullpens looked all weekend, they just weren't going to come back in that whatsoever. So Auburn on route to a 9-1 to victory. Very good-looking offensively. And also that bullpen, pretty impressed with them, uh, especially the Saturday and Sunday game. 
Yeah, um, and of course they beat Eastern Kentucky, which isn't a powerhouse, but Stanfield had what was it, a home run, five walks, uh, hit a double, hit a triple. So great numbers across the board. He's one of the guys that's that's been there for a while. Ike Irish had a really good weekend, hit a home run, drove in six. I think the biggest thing was Joseph Gonzalez, who was their ace a couple of years ago, who is just a throwback. He's a, an old school ground ball pitcher. You can't square him up very much. Doesn't strike a lot of guys out, but he was a huge part of what Auburn did two years ago. And I think he made one appearance last year and never came back. So if Joseph Gonzalez returns to form anywhere like where he's been before, which judging from the box score, didn't see the outing, looks like he did um, look out because Auburn's pitching just got a lot deeper. And you mentioned Cannon, Crotchfeld, Herbert Holtz, also some of those guys, guys have been around a while. So it's not the most talented staff in the league, but experience matters and an ace matters too. And Auburn's got a, a lot of both of those. All right, we stay in the state. We go to Alabama at eight. That's another team that's been a little hard to size up through the portal. Rob Walton did a really good job there with Alabama. And opening weekend, let's see. They take down Manhattan by 3-0 count. I, I believe they had a seven-inning no-hitter in there too, mm-hmm. um, which you don't see many of those. But, yeah, I mean – Hess, Quick, both gave them really good outings. That Those are two of their guys. I mean, you just, you just look down. They gave up how many runs? They gave up eight runs all weekend, hit five home runs. I don't think Manhattan is, is a lot of resistance here probably, but this is a team that that it was able to retain some good pitching arms, added a lot of bats in the portal. T.J. McCancy will miss transfer, who's undergone some adversity. It gave them a good weekend. So, yeah, Alabama – one of one of many SEC teams that just had really impressive weekends. Um, next up, I'm going to go to South Carolina. Or was it Carolina that had no hitter? I'm I'm sorry. I think it maybe it was them. Carolina um, had a yeah, they had a five pitcher combined no hitter. Yeah, I think I got my lines mixed up here. So yeah, anyway, yeah, I, I'm going to let you talk about the Gamecocks who who also had a, a pretty good weekend. And th- this is the team that I think people are maybe sleeping on a little bit. Because you, you look at the bats, Messina, um, Petrie, Costas, a lot of those guys are, are have had a lot of home runs in this league, and I think they've got about as much top end power as anybody. They got some other veterans. I, I think this is a team that maybe got a little bit underrated in the preseason. Uh, the pitching is is probably one of the questions, but they only gave up five runs all weekend, and and look, I think from what I can tell, pretty good in doing it. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is a team, even last year, I I think I at least had, you know, feelings of, hey, this team, you know, they're not necessarily back as one of these big top programs, but they're going to be very competitive with everyone they play in college baseball as a whole. And it looks that way this season so far. Granted, Miami of Ohio is no, you know, exceptional major league looking baseball team, but they did pretty good against them this weekend. Sunday, they beat them 14 to zero. That was the the five pitcher combined no hitter. Uh, there was also at that point through six innings, the pitching staff had combined for nine strikeouts. So they were easily just keeping Miami of Ohio's offense off the boards and out of the table at that point. Um, the Gamecocks also that game got walked 16 times. Their plate discipline that game was uncannily good. Uh, and that led to a lot of easy runs and easy scoring. So, you know, they they combined a lot for that game. 
And then the game before, 11-4 win for them. Uh, you, mentioned, you mentioned, I believe, Ethan Petrie. He had a two-RBI game along with Will Tippett, who had another great game as well. Uh, Blake Jackson, two for four for three RBIs for the Gamecocks. And then Dylan Eskew got the start in the win with six strikeouts and five innings and gave up just one hit over the course of that time. So all around great weekend for the Gamecocks. No complaints. They look like a team, especially, again, that pitching staff looks like they can hold a lot of these SEC lineups at bay, at least from what we gathered so far. Number six, and people will probably have a beef with this, and I I can't say I blame them. Um, but I don't know. I, I want to see a little more from the – I will say this. I think no team maybe had a more dominant weekend than A&M. Beat McNeese State by a combined total of 31 to 1, and I think those were seven inning games. So, so at least a couple of them. So, uh, look, the, the pitching was the question for AM. and they, they changed pitching coaches, Nate Yeske now at LSU. I, I wasn't sure it was a pitching coach thing as much as it was pitching talent thing. But this team, they struck out 36, walked six over the weekend, did hit six batters. And it was, what, about 10 guys that, that did the damage there. So there's a lot of guys who chipped in. Ryan Prager, who was last pitching for AM in 2022, missed last year with an injury. I thought his return would be big. It was. He throws five innings, gives up one hit, strikes out nine. You had Shane Sadeo go five shutout. And again, a, a whole host of relievers. Um, actually, the worst pitcher, the only guy I gave a run was Evan Ashenbeck, who I consider the best pitcher on that staff. H- hitting wise, they got three home runs from Jace Lavalette. Got a few more for some other guys. And uh, McNeese State is a lot of years a, a regional caliber team in the Southland. I don't know where they were picked this year. But for first weekends, that was about as strong as anybody looked. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you there. I do think A&M looked the best uh, out of anyone this weekend. I just have the two latter half games marked, but I believe they won the first game, and I think they did 15 to nothing too, so. Yeah. Again, that's about as dominant as you can get that game. Uh, Ashen Beck and Lampkin, that middle game, I'll say, combined for 10 strikeouts. So this is just a whole pitching staff thing, too, it seems like, out of A&M that we got this weekend. And Braden Montgomery, man. I mean, two for four, two RBIs in that middle six to one win that A&M had. And then they had A&M had many hitters, uh, Lavalette, Grahovic, uh, Camarillo, who had at least an RBI in their third win that they had on the weekend, too. So that this is a team, again, much like what we talked about a ranking ago with South Carolina, top to bottom. They looked pretty good this weekend overall and excited to watch them going forward. Yeah, if we did it just on one weekend, I would have A&M higher. And, and really, mm-hmm. A&M's a top 10 team in a lot of polls. The problem is there's like six top 10 teams in the league, and that's the territory we're in now. Number five, Vanderbilt. I got to see two of those three games. Actually, I got to see all of them, including some TV. But, uh, yeah, this this team, they, they won a walk-off game Friday night against Florida Atlantic, a team that's pretty consistent. They're not like a top 25 team, but they're, they're there every year and they're competitive and, and they can hit the ball a little bit. And lost the Saturday game by one run and then Sunday 11-1 to final there. Uh, big takeaways with Vandy. Some of their better pitchers, I, I don't think, Threw, threw the ball that well. Grayson Carter had a, a weird game. He was their, their Friday starter, got called for an illegal delivery and warm-ups, had to scramble to change his delivery. That didn't go particularly well. Carter Holton 
their ace threw a couple of good innings in relief, and then it kind of fell apart in the third inning of relief. But they had a lot of other guys. Um, Devin Futrell was really good on Sunday. He's going to be one of their starters. He's a durable guy, a little bit of a pitch-to-contact guy. He threw really well. And a number of bullpen arms. Ethan McElvain's got to watch. He looked really good this weekend, even though he just threw one inning. But he's he's a stud arm. Their, their offense was fine. I don't think it was great, but they did score 27 runs. Uh, got on base at a nearly 400 clip. Took 17 walks this weekend. And hit it a little bit. Hit three home runs. So, uh, kind of a lot of what we expected of Andy. I don't think they're going to field it as well as they did in the past because Enrique Bradfield Jr., isn't out there to just cover everything in center and, and right and left too, for yeah. that matter. Yeah. But I, I think it's, it's a solid team. And I don't think, I don't think whatever expectation was on Vandy. I don't think it moved a whole lot over the weekend. No, I don't think so either. Really the way I look at it too, it's a lot like the Mississippi state air force series, the middle game that they had, I kind of just tossed to the window most. I mean, Vandy had, I think it was what three hits that middle game yeah. that they lost. Didn't look there, good. there was no, no, there was no offense that game whatsoever. And then, you know, the next day you flip it, you flip it, turn the switch and it's 10, a 10 hit game and a lot more offense. So I, I don't have a lot of, a lot of worries right now about them. Again, that middle game just seemed like kind of a fluke. I really like watching RJ Austin. I'll say that he's looked very good uh, thus far. Again, I think if the offense has any amount of success, he's going to be at the forefront of it in some way or another. But we'll have to see going forward with them. They should be an exciting team again. Next up, Florida at number four. And, again, it's only a winless team. Florida played St. John's on Friday and then got both games on Saturday and Sunday washed out. So not really much going for the Gators. Be interested to see how they approach the midweek in pitching. Do you, do you give the guys that you're going to start on the weekend some some turns? Do you save them to next week and to keep them in routine? That's going to be a little bit of a of an interesting call for Coach Kevin O'Sullivan. But uh, it was it was kind of funny if you've watched these if you watch O'Sullivan over the years, he does not have the the most patience with with guys who can't come in and throw strikes. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it you know Florida was down I think seven to two early late in in the game made a little bit of a run. St. John's got some guys on. Florida kind of had to, you know, throw strikes to to get back in it, and then just didn't. Um, Cade Fisher, I don't think, was what they had expected him to be right away. I, I don't draw a lot of conclusions from that after one game, uh, just because Florida's got pitching talent. I'm, I'm not, I'm not as sure in it. Maybe is some people that put this team at two and three. Um, also lost Hurston, not Hurston. Well, did lose Hurston Waldrop, but also lost White Langford their best hitter. Caglione might be in the discussion there too, but I always like Langford better. Yeah, I, I mean, we'll, we'll wait and see on this team. I think they're pretty good. I haven't moved off that a little bit, but um, there was a there was a team in two in front of them I like a little bit better that we're about to get to next that, that had better weekends. Yeah, uh, one thing about Florida this week, their next games are against North Florida. They play one at North Florida in Jacksonville. That's tomorrow, Tuesday. And then they go right back the next day. Uh, inside of Condren Family Ballpark for a game in Gainesville against them. So kind of a home away, back-to-back night for them. Uh, that It should be okay for them, though. I mean, North Florida went 1-1 this weekend with a win over Delaware and then a bad loss against Delaware. So 
I would think Florida gets that first win eventually. Again, they kind of hosed by the rain and whatnot, but I'm with you. I, I still think they're going to be a good team this year. I, th- I think the talent's there across the board. Um, it might just be because you, you lose names like Waldrip and Langford. It's big holes to fill. So, you know, that gap at the beginning looks pretty big, you know, to start as opposed to what it would look like midway through the year. So they're, I could see some bumps in the road with them, but nothing too big. Number three, I've got Tennessee. And part of this was I was a little bit higher on Tennessee than some of the other people were. I look at the pitching they had coming back. And yes, those were guys that like A.J. Russell that had thrown in a relief role. But they were so good in it. You have to figure an expanded chance. I, I, I like what Frank Anderson has done there. Russell was just lights out on Friday night. Drew Beam was was fine. Uh, Tennessee had probably the best weekend of anybody when it's termed to racking up quality wins by getting two of three against the Big 12. Uh, Christian Moore had a big weekend for, for them, too, in terms of getting on base a lot. What did you see from the Vols this weekend? Yeah, the other guy I saw a lot of, too, and I think who we're going to see a lot of going forward for them is Billy Amick. Uh Yeah. He hit a, a – got a nuke. Uh, in this weekend, uh, I think that that was against Baylor. Yeah. And he, again, uh, just very good, uh, at plate recognition, ball recognition, where this ball is going to go within the strike zone, out of the strike zone and whatnot. And we all saw that with him coming out of Clemson, you know, from the portal with how he was able to hit the ball at a high rate. I believe he had under, over 400 average last year at Clemson on, on the way to being the ACC player of the year. It, it's just, you know, he's been he's been very good for them. This lineup top to bottom seems to have guys that just can hit the ball very, very far. Uh, the one loss to Oklahoma that they had, that was an extras back half of the, the bullpen kind of was a little shaky, shaky, obviously. And that's how they lost that game. Drew Beam did look pretty good. Uh, he gave up a lot of hits, but I'm not too concerned about that. I still think he's the best pitcher on that team, uh, yeah. hands down. Uh a lot of good things to look at. I do. I do want to say too, the bullpen made up for itself the following game against Baylor. Uh, Nate Sneed and Chris Stamos came out with eight strikeouts and four hits through a combined seven innings between those two. So the bullpen looked a little bit better against Baylor. But again, this team, I as of right now, I still think they're at the top of the SEC as far as baseball rankings go. Stamos was a transfer from somewhere, wasn't he? He was. Let me let me see if I could find it. I know Sneed yeah. came from Wichita State. Wichita State. Yeah, and that, that was yeah. a little rocky. He couldn't looked like he couldn't command the strike zone. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Stamos, Stamos from came Cal. From, He's yeah, yeah, lefty who's pitched. I think maybe five years already. He's he's one mm-hmm. of those kids that I think gets a little little COVID boost. I I don't, I don't know that <laughs> this is. Um, I don't know if this is 2022 Tennessee on the mound. I'm pretty sure it's not at the plate either, but I, I think mm-hmm. this is a – these guys throw strikes, and they may have a little – I guess that the one thing that worries me, they had a little trouble throwing strikes this weekend. 14 walks is a lot for Frank Anderson pitching staff. But, again, I I, I thought they were a little better than they were getting credit for being coming the season and, and taking two out of three against the best competition anybody played. Um, we'll, we'll ride with that. Number two, Arkansas. 
and I didn't get to catch any of their games on, on the tube, but, but follow them a little bit. They had a little more trouble with James Madison than, than I think I might have thought. James Madison's kind of an offensive team usually most years. That might be ballpark-induced. I'm not entirely sure there. But two and one on the week, and I think they've got one today. They might even be going as we're doing this. Jared Sprague Glott had a big day for them at the plate or big weekend. I had an OPS of close to 2,000. Uh, Diggs gave him a good weekend, got on base a lot. I, I think the pitching was the thing where we felt like this was a really good staff. And I think the guys that we thought they'd get the better outings from, uh, Mason Molina, the Texas Tech transfer, goes three and two-thirds, uh, struck out nine but also walked three and, and didn't get any further than that. So I guess a high pitch count there was building up. I don't have that in front of me. Um. The other guy, who was it? Uh, Hagen Smith went inning. That's what it was, and I didn't expect that. I think he, had, I think he threw forty-two pitches. I want to say in the opener. I thought he'd go a little further. Will McIntyre's a guy that kind of saved the weekend. Came in with the bulk relief thing, gave him five innings of one-run ball. I think he's one of the more underrated players in the league. There's nothing flashy about him. He's not going to be a pro prospect. He's not a hard thrower, but uh, he's kind of maybe. Devin Futrell at Vandy might be a nice comparison. Just a guy who comes in and throws strikes and won't blow you away, but can eat some innings. And if he's in a groove and the wind's not blowing out and that kind of thing, um, that's that's got some value. But Brady Tigert was pretty good for them. This is not a team that's going to be probably top two or three offensively in the league. But with the staff and the depth they've got, I feel like Arkansas is going to be at or near the top. And, I don't. I don't think anything we really saw from Arkansas this weekend changed my opinion. No, I don't either. I mean, and again, we saw that uh, little mishap Hagen Smith had on uh, Friday. And again, I think I don't know where you're at on it, but I think Hagen Smith's probably the best pitcher in the SEC. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you look at what he brings, so I think that that's one thing Arkansas has going for them a lot. Uh, offensively. Uh, you mentioned hit Kendall Diggs looked very good this weekend as well. Uh, I think he's going to be a stepping stone for them on offense. Uh, Aloy, their shortstop had a good Sunday in that loss against James Madison for what it's worth. Uh, but I mean, top to bottom, this Arkansas team is pretty complete as far as uh, every, not only just the SEC, but everyone in college baseball goes. And when you have the pitching like they do, I tend to think they're going to go pretty far. And again, I didn't like what they bring to the table and kind of just taking that uh, James Madison loss on Sunday and throwing it to the win. And just FYI, they are playing right now and it looks like they have a four nothing lead on yeah. the Dukes currently. So yeah, I don't think it's going to be one of the at. more offensive teams, but I, I think their, their threesome of starting pitchers is going to be about as good as anybody's. I, I put a, mm-hmm. I put a premium on, Really good starting pitching. Uh, it's why I'm a little bit higher on Tennessee than I think some other people's are, just because I think Beam and if um, you know if they get a little bit more out of some of the guys that are jumping up, giving them good things out of the bullpen, I, I think that rotation is going to be going to be tough to beat. It's for both those teams. All right, number one LSU. Some of this is defending national champs. Some of it is. I just think they've got a lot of pitching this year, a lot of experienced arms, and a lot of bats who had to kind of sit and wait on the bench last year when they had just a, a star-studded lineup up and down. And they they beat VMI three nothing, combined forty to thirteen, which is a little misleading because twenty-seven of those came in Sunday's game. When I guess VMI is pitching, they were throwing me and you out there at some point, I would presume. <laughs> so 
So there was that. Um, and, and the weird thing is the, the two guys that I really wanted to see, Cam Johnson, who was maybe as good a pitcher as anybody got through the draft, goes an inning, gives up four, walks six guys. That's a problem, obviously. And Thatcher Hurd, who I just kept thinking, you know, he, he struggled at, at really the first three quarters of the season last year out of the gate and, and finally started to put together at the end and had some really good outings in Omaha. Thatcher's a super talented kid who transferred from UCLA two years ago. I just thought that they'll get more out of him. Those were the two guys that just didn't throw well at all. Um, everybody else, and they really spread it out other than Luke Holman, who gave him five and a third shutout, 10 strikeouts, transfer from Alabama, who's easily a top 10 pitcher in this league, uh, may, maybe top five. So that was, you know, two-thirds of the rotation, I guess, got the job. Well, Johnson didn't start. I'm sorry. He came on in relief. Uh, you know, and then just a bunch of innings eaters in between from a from a deep staff. Hitting-wise, uh, Jared Jones, who was a guy that was playing a good bit for him last year, but I think was odd man out near the end of the year. Gave him, gave him two home runs, slugged well over 1,000. LSU had four home runs on the weekend, had a 515 on base percentage. Um, these guys walked, let me see, only 13 times, but they hit by 12 pitches. Uh, so that's a little bit of an indictment of <laughs> of what VMI was throwing mm-hmm. out there. But look, again, I I don't think um, I don't think our opinion on LSU changes a lot after one weekend. No, absolutely not. Uh, just kind of piggybacking off of you, Chris. Uh, Jared Jones, great <laughs> great weekend. I thought he probably looked like the best hitter they had this weekend, other than maybe Travinsky. Uh, speaking of Travinsky, and you know why not in a twenty seven to five game. LSU threw pretty much the entire catching staff out there to hit uh, on Sunday, and they got 10 RBIs out of the catching staff alone in that wow. game. So, yeah, that was an impressive mark that they hit. And then uh, a big transfer, transfer portal move that I've been watching out for was Michael Braswell coming in there from South Carolina. Uh, he finally had his good wake-up game on Sunday, as did the entire you know, Baton Rouge population, it seemed like uh two for three <laughs> game with two, two RBIs in that Sunday win for Braswell, that game and that game, the crazy part is only went to seven innings and they scored 27 runs. Yeah. So, I mean, this LSU team uh, put it up in a hurry. And even in that two, nothing win uh, on Saturday that they had Luke Holman, who you said it was a steal that they got in from Tuscaloosa and he just, put K's all over the board for the Tigers. I, I could see him pretty much, you know, the, he probably already was at this point, but going forward, he's probably one of the figureheads in that starting rotation after that game that he had uh, for the remainder of this year, at least. Yeah, LSU did walk 22 guys, and that's that's a little concerning. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this team, like I said, got on base all weekend, uh, slug 633, and uh, you mentioned – Travinsky, he and Brady Neal are one of the best catching duos you'll probably find anywhere. So, yeah, it looks like another strong year for LSU. Um, we'll um, we'll probably be back at this. I don't know if we'll do a Saturday morning recap or a Sunday night recap or Monday morning, but we'll be doing these. We'll be doing power rankings. We're just getting started on baseball. Of course, we're we're still keeping an eye on basketball too, and uh, a, lot, a lot of moving parts around here as we continue to keep an eye on football. So, in any case. Those are our power rankings after week one. We hope you enjoyed them. For Alfred Esmond, I'm Chris Lee. 
Thank you for watching us here at Southeastern 14 presented by Bet Online.